when I look down, and that was when I asked them, <laughs> when I asked them, oh, what's this bag? And then they said to me, that's your urinary bag, because um, your mind can't tell your body to go to the toilet. And then it was a, the bed had vinyl shit. Oh, wow. And then they say, oh, because your mind can't tell your body to go to the toilet, so you've been wetting the bed. I'll be very honest with you. I think that was when I died. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Good to go. What is up everyone? I'm Lachlan Samuel and this is the Open Up Podcast, episode number 8 with Narita Omar. She is a resilience inspirational speaker and mentor, also founder of Strive and Thrive, the social platform that inspires and empowers others to strive through challenges and thrive into a positive, resilient life. Thanks for being here, Narita. Thanks, Lucky, for having me here. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we usually do with these interviews is we kick it off with childhood, going through how you're raised and any influences and events that you feel have shaped you into the person you are or the person you become before that, that story or that struggle that you're here to share. Did you want to walk us through your childhood? Um, my childhood was actually quite difficult. But at the same time, I found beautiful moments through my childhood. And those were the moments where I kind of like hold on to. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like helped me to survive the childhood that I had. And so just to give you like a short story, my dad left me and my mom when I was three years old. And there was just a lot of, what you call it, dramas and painful things happening between the two of them. And growing up with a mother who had, what you call it, to go through so much pain, yeah. which was very, uh, what you call it, which has not been resolved, has made her have difficult moments as well, you know, to cope. But at the same time, even until today, I love my mom a lot because I know that she had done the best with mm -hmm. whatever tools that she had at that time. And, and I think, it could, how do I say this, um, without saying so much, because this is her story, not mine. But all I'm saying is that there were some moments where I dare to say that I actually nearly lost her. Oh, wow. Actually, don't mind me saying it. This is the first time I share this. And is that something you had to deal with as a child, or was this something yes. you... Yes, yeah. Okay. And you're very special, because I actually have never, I've never shared this with... Really? Yeah, so, so you know me. I mean, I'm a speaker, and I talk a lot about my other you know, struggles that have impacted me big time. Mm -hmm. But I've never really mentioned this about my mom because I don't think that is the right time, you know, to tell her story. And um, she's still going through healing and all that. But yeah, so growing up, knowing, you know, what was happening to your mom and as a child that you're not able to help her, it's kind of difficult, you know. Yeah. Um, but sure. somehow, I'll be very honest with you, um, I think my, my brother and my sister struggle more about you know growing up with those 
memories and situation. And the way I, I did it at the time, I mean, I, as a kid, I didn't know how I did it, but I knew that I just hang on and hold on to the beautiful times. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really focus on the difficult times too much. Yeah. Um, because I've always been a kid that I love fun, I love happiness, you know. So I just try to be creative in my own ways to just try to be happy with whatever I have whenever I can, you know. Cool. Yeah, so that was that was that was my childhood. Um, there's more stories there, but you know, we, we we will wait for the right time where I can tell the story when my mom is ready. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my childhood. Okay. Yeah. So do you feel that going through that throughout childhood having to deal with your mum going through her own struggles uh, impacted how you grew and developed? Yes, definitely. And even until today, I never regret a single moment of my childhood because I truly believe that it had made me a stronger child. Yeah. I truly believe that. Like I, I see, you know, my cousins and my, my other friends, um, they have a very sheltered life mm -hmm. and bless them that they have great parents and all that. Good for them. Happy for them. But I honestly don't think that I will be a stronger child as I had been if I did not went through what I went through when I was a child. Okay. So that's the reason why I never really, you know, um, I forgive my dad for leaving us. Um, I still do not know whether, you know, I wanted to forgive him for what, everything that he has done to my mom because I think that's between the two of them. Yeah. And I have never really talked into much details with whatever I went through with my mom and all that because I know for a fact that she, she definitely will, she did her best with whatever, you know, she, she could at that time. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so it has made me a stronger child. And it also made me appreci appreciate everything that, that she did for me, despite the little things that she could do despite the the little you know capacity and space that she could provide yeah she did the best and it made me appreciate her more yeah oh that's amazing mm. so knowing the person you are today the resilience speaker and mentor mm. obviously with strive and thrive mm. everything you're doing with that and helping people with their own resilience and mindfulness mm. it's cool to know that even looking as far back as childhood mm. that you had that resilience mm. built into you having to go through these struggles that you know, alongside yeah. your mum. Yeah, and also watching how she had to go, she had to go through her shit. You know. Yeah. And and her, her stuff is not just about her and my dad. You know, her stuff started from her parents and all that. You know, so so she went through a lot, and that's the reason why at the moment, like, I keep telling myself that oh, I, I really want to get rich fast, and I want to look after my mom. Yeah. Because I think she really deserves, you know, like like a really fulfilled rich life and when i say rich life i'm not talking about money i'm talking about um i want her before you know bless her that she's still around and i hope that before she close her eyes i will be able to let her experience full happiness you yeah. know having whatever she wants you know yeah because yeah. i don't think she she has had that yet yeah okay and do you think you can get that by providing it with things that you why or is this something that you have to help her help her attain by going through that struggle and working through the struggle um i like to believe that i'm already starting to do that like oh, yeah really? yeah um i'm so proud of her i mean like she probably will be listening to this 
I'm actually very proud of her because uh, she, you know, she, she, she's a mother, you know, yep. and it's not easy for a mother to actually let her child teach them, you know, and she, she's a very strong person. She's very stubborn. She's quite hot-headed, you know, and she has established this identity in her yep. for so many years. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in my life, right, at my younger years, that I tried to kind of like change her. I tried to tell her that I wasn't happy of how things were. Yeah. But because she was quite a hot-headed person, right, it wasn't really easy for me to penetrate into her. But now I understand that happened because she wasn't ready, you know. Yeah. And maybe I myself was, a, was in a very different space back then. But however... I'm so proud of her because lately when she look into me and when she look at how much I've done with Strive and Thrive and how much I have changed into a better person mm-hmm. and as much as there were moments where she actually said that doesn't look like my daughter because the old me I'm totally the opposite of what I am now yeah. and like she said you know it, it doesn't feel like that's her daughter but when she look at how much I've changed, and recently I was just so amazed, like she was going through some, you know, as usual, you know, she's, shit happens and all that. Yeah. She was going through some, you know, family stuff and that, that got her upset. And when I was talking to her and she said to me that, oh, you know what, like I was, get, I was starting to get really pissed off and I was starting to like have negative thoughts and, and blaming that person and rah, rah, rah. But then suddenly I started to realize about, you know, about what you used to say, it's a choice to think negative or it's a choice to play a victim or it's a choice to blame others and suddenly I realized that no I'm gonna think positive and I'm gonna like you know do my own thing and create my own happiness yeah. and when she said that I'm like go mom you go <laughs> you know I was so proud of her yeah so um she is now past 60 years old and I tell you the whole I mean her whole life she went through a lot you know and some of the stuff that happened to her you know happened because because how do I say this um, like I said again it's not my space to tell her story but she had she had suffered a lot yeah. from the choices that she made but now even though she's past 60 to finally see that my mom is starting to be happy with her truly self mm-hmm. with her true self and it, it makes me happy you know yeah. yeah yeah that's powerful oh yeah yeah and 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 it's also so beautiful to know that um how i changed my life yeah you know has helped her to change her herself and her life you know yeah it's yeah. crazy to think that going through childhood her being resilient instilled this resilience in you mm. and then now through adulthood Mm. you're sort of giving back and instilling that back into her when she needs it most when you're trying to help her through this yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) we're all still you know learning and growing and healing (laughs) okay so gonna fast forward from childhood now and into your story i know you've got a couple struggles to talk about but which one did you want to start off with first um okay so to be honest with you, right, I actually went through a number of traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. you know, um, and each one of them has impacted me in a way that I had to take big decision to run away from it. Yeah. 
But at that time, I did not realize that I was running away from it, you know. Um, things were just so painful that I just, the way I see it back then, I just want to go somewhere and start a fresh, a fresh start, okay? Yeah. yeah. But out of this, um, what I call it, number of this traumatic experience, the one that really, I believe, has impacted me big time was the brain injury in 2006. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened was, um, on Friday the 13th, believe it or not, yeah. So Friday the 13th, 2006, I was working in Christchurch, New Zealand yeah. as the shift manager at a casino there. And I had a total different lifestyle back then. You know, like I was partying, every, like not every day, but like I was partying on average three times, three, four times a week. Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I was working at a casino and, you know, working at a casino, the kind of lifestyle you have. And I was partying a lot. I was doing music gigs and all that. So in short, I was just doing a lot of things at that time. Yeah. And at that time, I didn't know that was a problem. Okay. To me is that, oh, I have a very busy lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm very active. I'm doing a lot of things. I'm being productive. Oh, I'm energetic. Oh, this is awesome. And I used to tell people when, when I have friends saying to me, hey, Nori, don't you sleep? You know? And like I will sleep, I kid you not, on average, right? The max hours I will sleep is six hours. Yeah. There will be times that I sleep like three and a half hours, four hours. And then I have people saying to me, Nori, don't you sleep? And I will like, you know, proudly told them I will sleep when I die. Oh, you know yeah. th that arrogant you know like i'll sleep and i die you know yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah yeah I, i'm living life to the fullest you know but what i didn't realize at that time i enjoyed that lifestyle because it was so busy that it didn't give me any space or capacity for me to actually think yeah. or feel about what was going on in my life at that time and yes yeah, so what happened was uh when you're so busy like that you're not living a very mindful life mm -hmm. that you know you're not eating well you're not sleeping well you're not resting and you're not looking after yourself you know so what happened was on friday the 13th 2006 i was uh what I call it having a very busy night as you know as typical as a weekend on in a casino and I was rushing around because at the same time being a manager there, I was also an interpreter. So whenever there's a conflict at the tables or at the cashier, I would like be running around doing interpretations. And while running around doing these different tasks, I was told that, hey, you know, um, in a few minutes, you have to go get up on stage because you're giving away the prize. So I ran up on stage and I kid you not at that moment, right? Something was telling me, you know, my subconscious mind or, or spirits or whatever, yeah. or angels, was saying to me that, hey, Nori, where you were standing, that there isn't much space there. But I ignore those thoughts, mm -hmm. those, those voices or whatever, right? I ignore it and I just grab the mic and I start addressing, you know, the thousands of people that are, you know, watching me, waiting for me to give away that big price. And then I look, I look, at, the, I look at the stage in front of me another you know voice or my subconscious mind or whatever is saying to me hey you're standing a bit too close to the front of the stage you might fall and i kid you not i think it was just a few seconds after that yeah so i trip i fell off and my head landed face uh, landed first on the ground 
Yeah. Um, so my right side just went boom. And then what happened was on the way down, I hit a, a wooden table yeah. where they put the drinks wow. and, and that wooden table came down on my left. So I had like a, like a double hit, you know, right and left, bang, bang. Yeah. And the funny, okay, now, now when you look back, it's funny, yeah. right? Um, so what happened was after that thing happened, I quickly stood up. I remember saying, you know, like the, the drinks fell off on my, my, my front and I quickly brushed off my, uh, my front, right? And I grabbed the mic. I was so embarrassed that, oh my God, I just fell off the stage in front of these thousands of people. I wasn't even concerned about, oh my God, Nori, you know, like check in with yourself, how your head is feeling or how you're feeling. There wasn't even a single moment of that, but I was just more concerned about me feeling embarrassed that yeah. I fell off in front of these people. That would so, be most people's concern though. Yeah, because I honestly could hear them going like, oh, like everyone's like, oh, you know, yeah. And I jump on, I jump back on stage and I continue the draw. Yeah. And... But yeah, but after that, sh shall I continue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what, what happened was I, I gave out the prize because there was like over 4,000 people there watching me. So I gave out the prize and I went off the stage with the winner and she followed me to the membership desk where I was supposed to be signing off the payments, payment slip where she would take to the cashier and claim her prize, you know? Yeah. As I was about to sign that payment slip, it was weird that I caught myself having a conversation with myself because normally you don't really talk to yourself, right? Normally, like yeah. if you want to sign or if you want to see it or do anything, you just you just do it physically, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I have a I had a conversation going like, Nori, you got to sign the form. And then another time, Nori, that's the pen, that's your finger, sign the form. And that went on like I think at least for four times. Yeah. After four or five times, realizing that I'm telling my mind or myself to sign and I couldn't sign and realizing that my finger couldn't move and then I started to feel panic and then that was when I started to wanting to ask for help verbally and I realized I couldn't move. Well, I Seriously, like I, could, I, could, I couldn't sign is one thing and then I couldn't even say help. And then I couldn't move, like I froze, you know. And that was all that I remembered. That would be scary. That was scary. That was scary, like, seriously, I mean, I don't know whether you're going to censor this. It's like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, I couldn't even help. I couldn't even do that. And that was the last thing I remember. And what was told to me after that, right? So um, did you black out after that or? I don't even know. Okay. But what I, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. And what I know was the next time that I gained back my consciousness, um, I was at the sick, I was in the sick bay and there was like the security manager. There were like a few people there. And um, I remember, I remember them talking to me. I recognized them. Yeah. But they said to me, like, this is after many months later on when, when people tell me the story, right? They told me that when I was inside the sick bay, they asked me, oh, do you know, do you know what's your name? And I said, Sally. And Sally oh, is my mom. Okay. Not me. My name is Norita. My oh. mom is Sally. Yeah. My mom is Sally Ha and people call her Sally, you know? And they go like, uh, what's your name? Do you know what's your name? And I said, Sally. And then they went like, uh, do you know which year is this? 
and it, it was 2006 and I said 2007. Oh wow. So they said they were they they asked me questions and all the questions that I I I, I answered were given with wrong answers and that was when they nailed or oh, she, she's not right, you know. basic questions. Yeah, basic questions like when's your birthday, what year is oh, this, wow. you know, what's your name, you know? Yeah. And um yeah, so so they took me to hospital. So after that, I don't remember what happened. Yeah. And they took me to hospital. And, and then I remember, I remember that I was in a wheelchair. And I remember they opened up the van door. And I saw a doctor and nurse rush, you know, rush to the van. And I was in a wheelchair. And I remember I could see clearly the commotion around me. I could hear the questions they were asking me. Now looking back, it's very it's very hilarious because the doctor said something like, because I'm obviously Asian, right? Because the doctor said something like, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Do you speak English, you know? Oh. And I could hear another voice, right? At that time I was saying, she's a casino manager, of course she speaks English, you know? And I could hear this commotion in front of me. Yeah. But I was just on a wheelchair. I was just in a wheelchair and I couldn't, I couldn't reply, I couldn't respond. Can you imagine how you felt then? I can imagine you'd be wondering what the heck's going to happen with the rest of your life. No, at that time, I'll be very honest with you, right? At that moment, I feel like, I feel like, I thought I was dead. I thought like maybe because, you know, since I was young, I love to watch horror movies. Yeah. I love to watch like, you know, crime shows and all that. So, you know, in those TV shows, you know, they, they show things like, oh, when, when you're dead and your spirits left your body and your spirit yeah. could watch your body, that kind of thing. So when that was going through, right, the first, the first thing, like I, I was trying to register because I could, I could sense all this commotion around me. I could see the doctor and all that. I could feel the panic, the panic emotions around me. And a part of me was like, I'm a vegetable because I was just like in a wheelchair like that, you know? So I felt like I'm a vegetable. But then another part of me, I was like, oh, am I dead? Am I dead? And that, yeah, and that was it. And I, and after that, I do not know what happened. I didn't even remember like how they got me off the van or whatever. And I don't know, maybe um, after that, I can't remember, like maybe a few weeks or a few days after that, um, I gained back my consciousness and this is a funny story. Everything about my story right now, I look back, it's funny, but at that time, trust me, it wasn't funny, okay? And then when I gained back my consciousness, the next one, I remember feeling so happy. Yeah. I felt so happy. I felt, I felt like I was walking on a moon. <laughs> I felt like, seriously, I felt, I felt like, oh, this is great. Oh, I'm so happy. But now looking back, I was feeling like that because they had given me morphine or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I remember like, like as if I was walking on air or on the moon. But then that happy, you know, that happy emotion was very short because then I realized, because I was, because I truly feel like I was walking on air, you know? Yeah. And then when I look down and then I see, I saw the bag. Yeah. And then I'm like, what bag is this? Why am I walking with this bag? And that was when, when I asked them, <laughs> when I asked them, oh, what's this bag? You know? And then they said to me, that's your urinary bag oh, because um, your mind can't tell your body to go to the toilet. Sorry. That would have been scary. Yeah. And then I remember 
sink into my bed in disbelief. And then I feel the bed, it feels weird. And then I f flip the, the sheet and then it was a, the bed had vinyl sheet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, what is this? And then they say, oh, because your mind can't tell your body to go to the toilet. So you've been wetting the bed. And we're talking about an Asian girl who left her home, moved to a foreign country, not, not the first time, you know, a few times. Yeah. She has always been pretty gung-ho. She's always been confident and stubborn. She's always been very independent while she was growing up. And then she moved her way out really quickly to be a casino shift manager. She had, you know, she had, she had that gung-ho energy about her. She thought she didn't need anyone. Yeah. You know, so super independent. Yeah. And then going from that to I can't even now, go to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you pretty know? much lost your independence. Oh my god! And I tell you honestly, um, I'm sorry to be very, you know, like emotional about this, but I do not think anyone can really understand, even though they they will listen to my story all over again, again and again. Yeah. Until that person actually been where I was then only they can understand what that feels like. Exactly. When you used to be super capable, that you think that you rock the world, right? Don't need anyone. Because I used to tell people, I don't need anyone. You know, I don't have relationships or anything. Because while I was growing up, I see things between my mom and, and her, her love life and all that. I used to say, I don't need a man and I, I have a great job. I have me, I don't need anyone. But when that thing happened, honestly, it's like, it's like from that top of the world, yeah. you just crash and bro feel broken. Okay. And I think that was the start of me. I'll be very honest with you. I think that was when I died. Wow. Yeah. Honestly. That's insane. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, because I wasn't the same person anymore. Okay. And um, so, literally losing your independence, losing that ability to be this gung ho girl yeah. that you were, yeah, felt like death to you. Yes. Wow. It's powerful. And to be very honest with you, um, the last recent years, I did a lot of self reflection. Yeah because I really need to walk back that memory lane to really understand what happened and how I saved myself. Yeah. And to be honest with you right now, when I look back, I did die. Wow. And um, a part of me, even until today, there will be moments that I miss the old me. Yeah. Because the old me, I find was someone who is very exciting, adventurous, she's fun, you know? Yeah. And um, there will be moments that I miss her. But then when I look back and I check in with myself with the present time, mm -hmm. I dare to say to you that, yes, I, I believe that girl is no more longer around. Yeah. But the new girl, that come out from that traumatic experience um, without sounding arrogant I think this new this new me mm -hmm. is much more beautiful it's much more 
appreciative and grateful? Uh, she, the new me now is beyond the old me. Yeah. You know, as much as I went through a grieving period, you know, mm-hmm. because I've lost that, the yeah. old me. But it has taken me so many years to build myself up. And while I was building myself up, you know, I had other things happen to just pull me back down. I rise up and then pull me back down again. Yeah. And now it has been um, 11 years, I think, you okay. know, 11 years since 2006. And I believe the current me, the present me, is, is so much stronger and is a much more amazing person. And the life that I have now, it might be totally be different than what it was before the brain injury, yeah. but um, it has made this beautiful new self. Currently, I finally can tell people and even myself that I found true happiness. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's and I, I, I continuously tell people that I do not know what else to ask for because I think currently I'm living in abundance. That's cool. Yeah. You've got to teach me how because I'm living in scarcity right now. Yeah, maybe because that's what you're thinking. Yes, it is, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But if you feel like, and, and this is the reason why I tell people, I don't know, maybe you know the name of my book will call this, I don't, I don't know. But um, the brain injury, after the brain injury, while grieving, yep. you know, losing me and all that, trying to cope with what was happening after that, within just a small moments like that my life drastically dramatically change mm-hmm. without my choice yeah without any signal yeah you know from a suddenly bang to z and what happened after that um you feel depressed because you're longing for that oh i used to be able to do this i used to be able to do that i had problems to string sentences together because I speak few languages. Yeah. So I could not pluck out the right word from the right language to form a sentence. Wow. So when I when some when I wanted to communicate with you and I couldn't you know speak properly or communicate or, te- or communicate or even tell you what I wanted to say. So there was like a struggle inside me, like frustration, like yeah, oh I I, I'm trying to tell you this, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of frustration inside me and I couldn't sleep properly, you know, like what I call it, like I could sleep if I'm, I take my medication. And seriously, it's like, you know, I was at a prime of my age, you know, and having all these medications every single day. And um, I have anxiety all the time okay. because with the brain injury, you have memory loss. Oh. So I could be having a conversation with you now and the next 20 minutes, you will say, oh, do you remember me telling you? And I'll be like, oh, did we even talk? Really? Yeah. Oh, like so you're still dealing with the effects of the injury today? Uh, n- not now, but back then. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was, this was like maybe the first few months, okay? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I have memory loss. I have, uh, my brain will be throbbing. Yeah. Not, not like, you know, not headaches. I'm talking about throbbing, okay? And then I'll be like taking medication. It will make me sleep right away. So it was just like, seriously, it, it was like having a war with yourself and with your surrounding because you're so mad and you're so angry about what happened. And I was just blaming everything else, but not me. I was blaming the casino. I was blaming, you know, uh, God. I was blaming everything, you know. I was just so angry with everything. 
and when depression kicks in anxiety kicks in and of course you will have anxiety because when you have this memory loss I wouldn't even remember that I have you know I had the stove on I would remember if I you know had the iron on so I constantly will be like seriously walking around my house checking did I did I have the oh, stove wow. on did I have you know did did I turn that power off you know yeah so you it drives you crazy you know yeah, yeah. so um and so you touched on uh, depression is that something you went through because of this injury as well yeah and I'll be very honest with you at that moment I didn't not even know what is depression of course you know something most people don't know yeah I because I'm not sure about you but English is not my first language yeah so we use simple words you know like I'm sad you know oh I feel okay. sad oh I feel suck you know like yeah you use the word sad happy you don't use the word depression I'm depressed you don't you don't use the word I'm feeling I'm feeling anxious you know yeah. we, we don't say those words so I didn't even know what depression was and at that moment right when I was going through all that there was just so many emotions crazy emotions happening negative emotions happening but I couldn't call I, I couldn't label the emotions I, yeah. I seriously it's like because I was having a war in my head in my heart in a, everything okay but now that I look back yeah I realized that was not the first time I had experienced depression really yeah because what you've gone the, through in childhood yeah you know a few things happened in my childhood which, which again you know like it's not the right time for me to share in details few things happened to me in the childhood and I actually had depression back then okay. I actually feel depressed back then because of you know few things that happen but when you're a kid you didn't really know how to process uh, because you do not know whether this is not normal whether this is normal and then even after I was growing up you know in my younger years something happened to me and a couple things a couple of big things happened to me again you know like uh, I'm saving it for my book here yeah, a course. couple of things happened to me and and I had suicide thoughts back then okay so because I never really process all these things yeah and what it had what it did to me was all these different different traumas and different different episodes happened in my life and because I didn't process it I didn't acknowledge it or actually you know check in with myself so the result of that was a girl who just loved partying and drinking yeah. and being busy for her, her life because she's suppressing okay. all this crap that happened in the past yeah that makes sense you know and there's a real because now I look back because I don't party anymore now you know yeah. I don't drink like how I used to drink last time but now when I now I can process I realize that oh it's not that I love to party back then because I love because I use those things to numb myself yeah you know the constant drinking you know just um, masking whatever you're going through yeah because if I do that I numb myself I don't feel the pain you know yeah yeah so it means that the depression that I had after the brain injury that that actually wasn't new to me it was probably the most I'll say darkest moments of my life but it wasn't a stranger to me it's like hey I'm back <laughs> yeah so in a way going through what you went through in childhood with your mom and then those other episodes built you into this resilient girl who fights to be independent 
you've taken that into adulthood and then had this injury that's taken that all away from you again and then you've come face to face with that depression and then now you're unable to actually mask it with the partying mm. how did you cope with the depression during that brain injury so back to what you were saying right the words that you you said yeah um i i openly embrace the fact that i am now a resilience person yeah but after going through what I went through with my childhood and my you know, younger years and all that, I wouldn't say that I wasn't resilient back then. I, wa I was strong, yeah. but not, I wouldn't really call myself resilient back then. Okay. Because I think, I think I was strong, but in some other areas, yeah. I was not that strong. Because those stuff that happened to me wasn't being addressed, that stuff wasn't being dealt with and I was just suppressing suppressing it okay and I had to force myself to be strong yeah in a way it's good because it makes me be very driven in you know in my career and all that at a yeah. time and it made me very confident in pursuing what I wanted like I wasn't happy back then where I was I'm gonna like have the courage and just leave the country and go to a new country that I don't know anyone so it it does give me that strength and that courage to do that yeah but i don't think i would really call myself resilient back then because i think sorry i think in a way that the way i practiced back then wasn't really the healthy way okay. even though it does make me strong in some ways yeah but not the okay. way that i want so yeah if you don't feel like you were resilient back then and obviously you're a resilience speaker and mentor now. Mm. Really briefly, what does resilience mean to you now? Well, to me now, being, re being truly resilient, it means that you're willing to be strong at times that you need to be strong yep. mentally and physically, okay. but also being able to be vulnerable and dealing with the stuff that people call the fluffy stuff, which yeah. is like love, empathy, compassion, you know? Okay. So in a way, to me now, like people will have different meaning, but to me it's like resilience is not just about being the powwow, superhero, power, you know, that kind of stuff, but being resilient, it means you have to be mentally strong, physically strong, um, emotionally strong, and spiritually strong and spiritually strong is something that I personally just only learned about it recently. Uh, recently. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and back to what you were saying just now, because sorry, I didn't address your question. You were saying like, how did I deal with the depression after the, after the brain injury? Yes. Um, I did not. <laughs> yeah. I did not. And that's the reason why it, my depression and my anxiety got really uh, worse yeah. than I actually had suicidal tendencies Wow. Um, to be honest with you I'm so very grateful and so blessed with the universe or whatever the divine power that has helped me because I truly believe that I was you know um, I know I saved myself but I, I don't I, I, I have a strong belief that 
it wasn't just me. It was there was yeah. something there that saved me. You're, I definitely feel like I've only just met you today, but mm. I definitely feel like you're meant to be here for this reason. So yes, yeah. I can understand what you mean. Like you have this purpose, and that's yes. why you were saved, whether it's by yourself or yeah. some other force. Uh, yeah, I I honestly can't. There there were times that I tried to question him because I want to know what was it really. Because if I were to tell a story to people, I like to I like to be right, you know. Because these are information, you know. Yeah, I don't want to tell people wrong information and all that. But I realize I can't. I can't really know whether what is right, or what is wrong. I can only share the story as how it was. And the story was, I my condition got really bad, that I actually spent months contemplating and planning how I'm gonna end my life. Yeah, and and looking back, you know, I find that why did I why did I spend my time and energy planning that instead of thinking how am I going to get out of this how am I going to get better how am yeah. I going to get help and when you keep thinking of the negative things and planning the negative things and put your mind into nothing but just negative things yeah eventually you're going to act on it you know and that's what I did because I consume so much negativity in my head mm -hmm. and that's all my mindset was at that time and eventually it was strong enough to make me physically act on it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so what happened was I was on the verge of acting on it. And like I said, I'm very grateful or else I wouldn't be here doing what I do and talking to you, you know. And on the verge of doing it, I actually started to really wonder. Like, I know I was going to do it, but then that very moment I heard a voice, a female voice, saying to me on the right side saying nori you've got beautiful things in store for you yeah if you do this you will not see the beautiful things in store for you and that was the exact words i heard okay and when i heard that i started to think about i started to question myself is is, is there really a beautiful th is there really beautiful things in store for me how can there be when I'm like this, yeah. you know? You hadn't given yourself an opportunity to think of the positives. Yeah, you know? And then when I questioned myself that, then that question started to go into my head and, all right, let's just visualize a beautiful thing in store for me. So planting a seed. And that was when I started to honestly visualize in my head light at the end of the tunnel. I kid you not, I saw like a tunnel and I saw light at the end of the tunnel. And from there, I started to think about my mom, like, oh my God, knowing, you know, what would she be yeah. if I really do this? And then suddenly I started to think about the past, that the past achievements, the life that I had. Oh my God, Nori, you've done this, you've done that, you know. Is this how you want to live your legacy? Is, is this how the story will end? You know, mm -hmm. and, and that, I tell you, and that was, I cannot explain how it happened, but this is how it happened, okay? And that moment when I asked myself, is this how it's going to be? Like, is this how you're going to end the story? And I felt like a rush of strength come, come into me. And I kid you not, the next words that was in my head was like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to let this brain injury beat me. Yeah. I kid you not. And and that was the start. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, with that those suicidal thoughts and then nearly acting on it. 
what do you think it was that you were actually running from? Was it the loss of independence on its own? I just feel, to be honest with you, at that time, I, I truly feel my life was over. Okay. Yeah, because um, I'm not the same girl anymore. Yeah. It's been many months. Um, it's been like probably six months, I think, by then. I think five or six months. Um, I, I'm not the same girl anymore. I have struggled in my speech. I have struggled with my memory, the pain um, from being this hyper-adventurous, happening girl. Yeah. Suddenly, I'm being this very quiet, like I said, dead. Yeah. And yeah, so all that made me feel like my life is over. And what happened was, to be honest with you, when the doctor told me it's going to take you, because I asked him, how long am I going to be like this, you know? Yeah. And then he said, it's going to take you at least five to seven years for any slightest recovery. And that moment, like I know now, I will have thought, oh, five, seven years at least, you know, there's a, there's a chance. But back then I'm like, five, seven years? I'm going to be like this for five, seven years. It's scary. Scary. And also the thought of, because I was in a foreign country, I was by myself, you yeah. know, and I mean, I wasn't like, you know, in, in my own home with my mom and all that. And I was in a foreign country. I was on a visa. Well, so it's like, um, what's no going to happen to my job? You know, like I was very lucky at that time. There's only one thing that, you know, I could have really focused into it, but at that time I didn't. There was one good thing that happened at that time because I had a fall at the casino. Yeah. So they had work compensation organized uh, for wow. me. So at least I have like 80%, you know, my salary coming in. But still, I know it's not going to be forever. I know they're not going to like, you know, have me not working and still pay my salary for five, seven years. Yeah. So the anxiety and the worry that I might lose my job, yeah. you know, and then so if I lose my job, means I lose my visa, you know. So there was just... So, so I, yeah, it was the fear of the unknown, you know, like okay. what's going to happen to me now because the old me that I, that I know, the yeah. things that I can do is all gone. So not knowing the unknown makes me feel like, okay, that's it, life is over. Wow. You know? That's powerful. And having to go through that, that anxiety and depression, um, going through these suicidal thoughts, and then hitting that turning point where you feel that rush of strength and think, fuck this, I'm not doing it. Yeah. What were the lessons, looking back now, that you'd take from that period? Um, the big lesson was, whatever happens, do not think and focus on the negative things. Yeah. Now now that the brain injury, and now after I walked through that, that episode, and after that, you know, as you know, I had the earthquake story as well. Now that... I, I went through a lot of traumatic experiences, but the brain injury and the earthquake episode, these two episodes actually make me feel quite um, untouchable now. I yeah. feel like, don't mind me saying, now I'm resilient because now I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. I still feel fear, of course, you know, we're humans, but I, I'm not afraid of what's gonna come next because I know if I can survive that, I can survive anything. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, what I wanted to also add here, a part that I find that was so important, back then also, I never asked for help. I was this gung-ho girl. I, I'm very capable with my work. I'm very capable with my life. I never asked for help. I was happy to help people. I'm yeah. very generous and all that. 
but I never asked for help. Yeah. Okay, because when you ask for help back then, I thought if you ask for help, you're weak. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so I never asked for help. So that that moment when I I said to myself that all right, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna end my life. The, the next big thing I did the very next day was I went back to my neurologist and I, I, I dashed into his door and I said to him, for the first time, I'm owning up, right? I've never really told people what I feel, right? I, I dashed into the door and I went and, say, and I said to him, I'm suicidal, please help me. Wow. And to some people, no, it's not really. But to someone like me who has never asked for help, that is actually, that's, it took a lot out of me to say that because I have admit that I need help because yeah, I do not know how to. All right, so now I've decided I made a choice now I want to leave, but how am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's powerful. That pretty much means that you, in that moment, feeling that strength and deciding not to and then going, between then and going into your neurologist's office, you decided to let go of that identity and that independence you're holding on to. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why just now the conversation that we had before this interview, when you told me about how you, you know, you actually open up to your family and all that, mm -hmm. and I'm like, wow, you know, it's good that you, as a man especially, you were willing to express yourself, because it took, it took a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, you're a man, it took a lot. I mean, yeah, I'm a woman, but I'm not a typical woman, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was a gung-ho woman, yeah. and, and it took a lot for me to say that. But what another thing that I wanted to share, my neurologist was awesome. And here's the thing I wanted to share that I know people with depression can relate to me. When you have depression, right? Maybe not everyone, but I know some, some depression people can relate to me, okay? When you have depression and you open up to people, most people will say things like, oh, don't worry about it, it will pass oh, don't worry about it, or toughen up, or it can't be that bad. When you hear this, right, it doesn't do any jack shit for you. You actually don't want to hear that, you know, because like, I can't toughen up, you know. Uh, I, I don't want to hear, oh, it will get better, and all right, it can't, it's not that bad, you know. You don't want to hear that. So my neurologist, he was awesome, and this is mindset stuff, okay. When I told him that, I said, hey, I'm suicidal, please help me. He didn't even say a thing except he said, come follow me. So what he did was he took me to the brain injury ward yeah. of patients that are, you know, much more, what I call it, serious condition than me. Yeah. And then he showed me this guy. Apparently he was a rugby player. Okay. And um, he said, this guy, that guy in the wheelchair, do you see that guy? I said, yes. That guy had a brain injury like yours. It's actually a mild concussion, but because he took it really badly and focused on, you know, making things worse. Mm -hmm. He didn't listen to my advice and that is what he is now. So when I look at him, he had tube, you know, feeding in like, you know, tube into his mouth means he, and he was like, this is how his hand, yeah. he couldn't even feed himself and he was, you know, like that on a wheelchair. And then I saw another girl, you know, had a brain injury. I talked to his, her family and all that. And, and then I turned around, my doctor wasn't there anymore. Apparently, he just, he just left me there, okay? Yeah. And I roam around and I talk to the other patients and their family, right? And, and this is the, the strong, this is the most, this is the, the most, I, I believe, the strongest strategy, okay? 
after I left, I turned around, he wasn't there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now. So when I left that brain, brain, brain injury ward, right, I had to walk down a long hallway. And then suddenly I realized I'm walking, you know. And then I said to myself, oh my God, that guy is, not, that guy is in a wheelchair. At least I'm still walking. That guy had tube feeding him. I don't need tube. I still have my hands to feed myself. So in that moment, suddenly I find that through gratitude. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people talk about gratitude, about how every single day you wake up and oh, I'm grateful of this, I'm grateful of that. Yeah. I'll be very honest with you. It's not the same as just saying it, I'm grateful of you know my house, my husband or whatever. It's not the same. When you actually feel gratitude and actually imagine what it feels like if I can't feed myself, what it feels like if I can't walk. When you put emotions and thoughts, you know, trying to imagine what would it be like without those things, there is like a power that I cannot explain in English, right? Yeah. There's just like a power rushing into your head about how fucking awesome that position you are in. Yeah. So gratitude is the first strategy. Amazing. Yeah. Just flipping that perspective. Yeah, and not just not just expressing yeah. it, but actually feeling it, you know? And like you were saying before, living in that abundance rather yeah. than that scarcity yeah i mean i'll be honest with you where i am right now this is the least money i have in my bank account yeah compared to what i had right mm -hmm. um but still what i call it i'm not super rich but i feel rich and i said to my partner i feel rich yeah yeah because you focus on the things that you have it's because you're providing value as well to other mm. people yeah yeah so yeah, so gratitude. And that's the reason why every single day, I mean, I'm not perfect. Sometimes, you know, I kind of forget, but I make a point every single day, mm -hmm. you know, to be grateful of at least three things every single day. And sometimes my partner will remind me, you know, and then yeah. I will remind him like, oh, what are you grateful of today? You know, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Moving on from the brain injury, you wanted to talk about the earthquake? Yeah. So <laughs> this is really funny. When I look back, oh my God, Norita, seriously, I can't believe, I can't believe you did this. So you know how painful it was going through that brain injury period, right? Yeah. With depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. and almost ending my life. So what happened was because after finding gratitude and all that, I, I suddenly turned my life around on 360 degrees. Yeah. Okay, I, I changed the way I eat, the way I think, the way I talk, I was open to every therapy, every modality. And because I just switch my mindset into, you know, I do not know, and this is really powerful. I had, I don't even know what's going to come next. I don't even know, you know, w w what's going to be happening, but I was just opening myself up to whatever that the doctor said could help. I was just doing it. And that includes meditation and all that. Okay. Yeah. And as skeptical as I was back then, you know, I, I was just opening up to everything and because I was open to try all these things and I had in my mind like I do not know what's gonna happen but I'm just gonna have faith and just do it anyway and try everything that was advised to me and you will not believe 18 months after that right 18 months when I had my first mind shift mm -hmm. uh, I went for a CT scan and doctor the doctor look you know in disbelief and I'm like what what because I thought I went I thought I went to worse. I said, well, and he said, your brain swelling has gone down 85%. So just imagine, 
he said it's gonna take me five to seven years, and yeah. apparently I it only took me eighteen months. Wow. But guess what I did after that? What? Instead of feeling grateful and feeling blessed, yeah. I rang my friends up and I said, Hey, guess what? My results came back, my brain swelling went down eighty five percent. And she said, Oh my god, really? And then, you know I said, We're gonna have a party. Uh-huh. I said Book book that bar, book that venue, get a live band, get a DJ. Like, I actually had a party to celebrate. And that was the start that I actually went back to the old lifestyle. Yeah, It's like, I feel at that time, the last two years was like a prison. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like go back to the old lifestyle because I got to make up these two years <laughs> of my life. Yeah. That, you know, So I went back to the old lifestyle and yeah, I went back on a high again and my career was like picking up again. I had promotion and all that. And then maybe universe was saying, oh my God, you still didn't learn your lesson. So that was maybe 2009 and 2010 was the peak of my career when I actually was the New Zealand, I was the poker services manager for New Zealand World Championship, yeah. New Zealand Poker World Championship. That was in March and September, Christchurch, New Zealand was hit with an earthquake, the first one. Wow. Yeah. And do you want to know what happened to me in that earthquake? Wow. Um, I finished work at 3 a.m. I went home to my apartment, which is just a walking distance from casino. So when you work night shift and you come home at like 3-ish, right? So you're tired. So I went back. I went to sleep right away. The very instant something woke me up, I opened up my eyes. I saw my bed shaking, all right? The first instant, like I said to you, I watch a lot of horror movies, right? Yeah. So the first instant when I saw everything was shaking, I actually thought I was in a poltergeist movie. Yeah. Okay? The first few seconds, okay? And then suddenly when I realized there was something on me, and somehow my head clicked that, hey, it's an earthquake. And, and by this time, I already live in New Zealand for many years, you know. I've never experienced earthquake in New Zealand, right? Yeah. So when that thing happened, I knew it was an earthquake. I saw that I have a large photo frame bigger than this. Yeah. Fell on me. I had uh, broken glass pieces. I, I saw it over here on my body. So I jumped off the bed. I went out of my bedroom. I I do not know why I reached out because what happened was my apartment is like an open kitchen like this. Yeah. So, you know, you come out from the bedroom and there's an open kitchen. Now look back, I should have just ran out yeah but instead i reached out my hand to the kitchen you know kitchen cabinet so what happened was the microwave that was on a slider Mm -hmm. on the top slide out and drop on my shoulders near my neck here which is close to where i had my i had my brain yeah i had my what call it uh brain injury i went out and then with all the things because it was quite crazy right so you're panicking, you ran out, and then I stumble along the, over the steps. So my head banged into the stair handle, yeah. And yeah, so that was another tragedy, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, and what resulted from that? What You wanted to speak about the struggle with, or regarding the earthquake, what sort of struggle come out of the earthquake was it a setback in terms of your brain injury yeah so um the first the first struggle <coughs> was um so this was the girl that was okay not having a family okay 
Yeah. Because even through the brain injury, you know, I still didn't go back to Singapore and I still wow. stayed. But after the earthquake, I went to the hospital and what hit me was I was sitting in the queue to see the doctor yeah. and then suddenly I realized everyone has somebody with them and I was the only person there sitting by myself. And that got me really emotional because suddenly I realized Norita, despite that massive career success, despite the, the awesome life you think you had with the apartment, with the career, you didn't have anyone that loved you. You didn't have, you didn't have a man, you didn't have your family there, you know? Yeah. And that, that, that was the first thing that hit me that my life was actually empty. And in terms of physical-wise, after the earthquake, um, I, I dare to say maybe my anxiety went from level one to uh, went from level three to level ten. Wow! I couldn't sleep every single day. Every okay. single day, I only sleep like maybe forty-five minutes, fifty-five minutes on daily basis. And it, was that because of the fear of another earthquake? Yes. Okay. And um, every even because we had aftershocks. Yeah, of course. You know, and every time when there's aftershocks, I feel like you know. I that went like, on for quite a while. Too, oh hey? yeah. So so the first I can't remember, exactly remember now, but I think I think it I was it went really bad for nine days. Yeah. Um, other people they were told to evacuate their house, so they were at the community center, at the park, and all that. But because I was living in an, a new apartment, so I don't have to evacuate my house. But uh, there was no water, so it was really a struggle to drink or eat, you know, because oh, there's wow. no yeah yeah and um, and you're all alone because I I was all alone, you know, like other other my neighbors they've got families, but I was just sitting, you know, in my apartment alone waiting for the the news to say siren or whatever you yeah. gotta go, and so it was so bad that the minute they opened up the airport, I actually took the first flight. And I and I escaped and I went to Auckland. Well, wow. I went to Auckland because I was just like, oh, I, can't, I I just cannot handle that. So you, you went there for a holiday or you moved there? No, no, no. I went there just for a break. Okay. And I was there for a few days. I was fine. Yeah. I, I, I I can sleep. I, I was fine. I was with, I was with a couple of friends. I was fine. And of course, I can't stay there forever again. You know, like you can't run forever. So yeah. I flew back to to Christchurch. And I went back to where I was, you know, the anxiety, the the emotion, and things were just. I'm sorry to say this, you know, but um, to me at that time, it was just it was just really hard to be there alone. Yeah. So I went back to work because it come to a point where you know they needed me at work. I went back to work, and there were a few things happening at work. I didn't really gel with how they were handling it. Okay. Doing and, and was work treating you fairly? I guess after you had your brain injury um after the brain injury i must say that i've got awesome bosses okay yeah. because they they know I, I was i was an asset so they look after me okay yeah. um but also the whole time i was in casino that is another resilient story because yeah. the whole time i was in casino right even though the bosses love me and they look after me but i have always struggled with my colleagues okay. and the other managers and it was all due to you know the toxic the, what call it the toxicity toxicity <laughs> the yeah. toxicity of group. yeah being in casino management also it's not easy being the minority okay and being the minority and being the one in charge yeah I can imagine that to take yeah, for yeah. average kiwis yeah and also what you call it like um Every single day, I, I gotta tell you this, this true story. I, I look back now, I don't know how I deal deal with it. Every single day I go to work, I went to work, right? 
every single day I have to watch my back, my front, my left, my right, my top, my bottom. There'll be like knives waiting. Yeah. But but yeah, in career-wise, I was very resilient because I, I know I, I know that what I was there for, you know, and I, I don't want to give in to them. But after the earthquake, right, things were, things were just like, because I love people, you know. Mm-hmm. I love people. I love looking after people and all that. And that's the reason why I was good with my job. But after earthquake, I just feel, this is just my personal opinion, I feel that my bosses, the casino, could have done better. Yeah. Because we just had, not a small accident, you know, we just had like a national disaster, you know. So we, the way I see it, I know it's a business, but hey, we are all at the end of the day humans. Yeah. So we got to put humanity first. And at that time, I didn't feel like they were. Yeah. So what I did was I just submit my resignation and and I moved to Australia with a few pieces of clothing. Wow. Yeah. I lost I lost everything. Yeah. And at, and at that time, to be honest with you, right, I actually didn't lose everything. Sorry. I actually haven't lost everything yet. I actually, I couldn't take every, th- every of my belongings. Yeah. Because I have lived in New Zealand for so many years. I've made New Zealand my home. Yeah. Even though I'm not a Kiwi, like I told you, I'm a Kiwi by <laughs> heart. So yeah, yeah. And I've made a home there. So when I need to leave, right, I need to leave right away and I couldn't bring everything. So I put a lot of my stuff, you know, at my friend's garage. And I just packed a few pieces of clothing and I went to New Zealand. And I said to my friend, I, and not New Zealand, I went, I went to Australia because my, my family is in Melbourne. Yep. So I said to my friend, I just can't be here anymore. I just need to be with my family because like I said to you, suddenly I realized I need that love, family connection. Yep. So I went to Melbourne and I said to my friend, I will be back in a month. But not realizing one month after, even when I came to Melbourne, there was still a lot of uncertainty of what's my step now, because I've already resigned in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So if I resign, means my visa is going to end. So what's my next step? Because what happened after the earthquake, my brain injury came back, my chronic pain, my brain throbbing all wow. came back, okay. anxiety, everything came back. So I wasn't sure what I want to do. And then suddenly I heard the news that when I was making plans to go back to Christchurch, right? And then Christchurch had the second earthquake, which was the biggest one. Yeah. And that was when I actually lost my friend there. You know, I had people that I know that actually uh, died from that earthquake. And I couldn't reach my friends, my other friends and friends that I have, you know, stuff in her garage. And it took me like, I can't remember, like, I, I probably it took me like a couple of months to actually track her down. Wow. And when I tracked her down, she said to me that, hey, you know, guess what, babe, your, your things are all gone because, uh, what call it, her... Her carriage collapsed. The garage and her, her house, the studio. Wow. Yeah, so, um, and, and when I heard that, I just feel like, oh. At that moment, I'm sorry to say, like, if there's any Kiwis listening to this, um, I just felt at that time that I couldn't go back to Christchurch. Until today, I still miss Christchurch. Um, I just feel like I couldn't and yeah so I, I, I had to build a new life here you know okay yeah and from that earthquake having mm. that brain injury come back and the, the throbbing headaches how long was it between then till where you feel that you sort of come back to that place where you're content and happy again um, okay, so that was 2010, yeah. and I had to make you know some decisions whether to go back to Singapore or whether to stay in Melbourne and all that. And there were a few. I mean, like it's a long story, of course. You know, I'm just gonna try to cut it short. Yeah. So I moved to Perth and all that, 
And again, you know, everything was just uncertain. I do not know what I was doing because I was unwell at the time. So as much as I wanted to go back and, you know, apply jobs in casino management, yeah. the reality is I wasn't well. So okay. to go back as a casino manager or an executive, I, I was just not well. So I made a decision that I do not want to go back to Singapore for some other reasons as well. And I said to myself, I have to stay here. So now I got to apply for another visa. To apply for another visa, I have to, you know, uh, go to the uni here. Okay. And that was another another story because I have a brain injury. Yeah. And then the doctors and the neurologists and my mom said to me, no, you can't go back to uni because you've got a brain injury. And the experts like neurologists all said to me, no, don't do it because you're going to be mentally stressed and it's not healthy or, and you can't do it. And I have some people say to me, you know, if you go to uni, you're going to put yourself under stress and you have to pass to get that visa. And you don't even know whether you're going to get that visa or that PR if you pass it. So there was just a lot of uncertainty. But guess what? I just felt, I'm just going to fucking do it. <laughs> Sorry for me cursing. I just felt like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I had to really seriously went through another hardships of paying for my uni as a foreign student, covering my expenses and all that. And there were, there were weeks that I only had $20 each week to eat. Oh, that's insane. Serious. When I look back. But I'm going to share this with you. The truth is because I had went through whatever I went through during the brain injury and the depression and all that, right? Yeah. There was one week that I only had $20 because I just paid $13,000 of school fees. Yeah. I only have $20 and I said to myself, I, I, I only have this $20 to eat this week before my next pay which is next week. And I said to myself, okay, how are we going to do this? What are we going to buy with this $20 that you can fill up yourself <laughs> like as much meals as possible? So anyway, so because I have always been a creative thinker and because I was from that kind of uh, hospitality industry, so I know what to buy with $20, right? That could fill me up. And um, after I bought that, the old me will be bitching and whining, oh my God, I'm not going to be eating bread every day. But the new me that has, learned the, 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 that has learned how to practice positive psychology and positive mindset and all that, I remember coming back from the supermarket with these groceries worth of $20 only to eat for the whole week. But I was happy. I was happy that I actually have food to eat. I was happy that I have paid my school fees. Okay. So it's a choice. You know, you, you only have $20 to eat for the whole week. You can be sad and feel sorry for yourself or you can actually empower yourself feeling like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 So years of struggle. But if you were to ask me, when did I actually truly feel happy? I dare to say it was just probably two years ago. Wow. So we're talking about what? 2006 is a brain injury. Quake 2010. And two years ago is 2016. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a long time. Oh, yeah. And I said to people, um, 2016 was the first time I actually feel happy. And But if you, if you ask me truly feel happy, truly feel abundance, I would say it all started last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, what, 10 years? Yeah. Mm. Well, Having gone through what you went through with the earthquake, having that brain injury come back, um, losing a friend, and then losing all your stuff in that earthquake as well, mm. 
having moved over to Australia, did you ever fall back into that state of depression? Um, the, or were you practicing? I was practicing, enough? yeah. Uh, I meditate most days, and that's the reason why the brain injury was the biggest impact because it really like hit me big time. Yeah. But it did, I did not really learn the full lesson because I went back to the old lifestyle, right? Yeah. But the earthquake, I dare to say the earthquake was what really totally changed me. And the earthquake actually really made me into this new person that I, I truly ask myself, why am I here? Yeah. Who I want to be, what I want to be, what I want to do, you know? And um, a lot of people that I spoke to would say earthquake is a tragedy to them. But to me, the earthquake, the brain injury is a blessing because it has made me see life in a different light. Yes. You know? Without it, you wouldn't be who you are today. No, yeah. And that's someone who's helping people. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot of love and compassion for myself during the brain injury. But then I, I, I lost myself again. Yeah. And then the earthquake made me come back. Okay. And from all oh, the earthquake, I tell you honestly, it's like I have so much love after the earthquake okay. for myself and yep. also for others. That's cool. It's yeah. cool to hear that that practice of positivity and gratefulness yeah. and appreciation yeah. helped get you through the earthquake yeah. and something as horrible and terrible as losing a friend. Yeah. And also, you know, I mean, a lot of people, like when they meet me now, especially when they hear me speak at events and all that, they think like my life is perfect now because I look like this um, happy, lively, bubbly girl. But the truth is life is a journey, you know. Yep. And nothing stays the same forever. Shit will ha always happen. And I only recently start to realize that because I really look back everything that had happened, right? I really look back is that shit will happen because that's what life is. Life is not about being happy and perfect and smooth all the time. Yeah. But if you know how to build your resilience and practice it on a regular basis, if possible, every day, when shit happens and life hits you, yeah. it will not take you long to bounce back. And that's the reason why it's, fuck Excuse my language. No, right. it's freaking awesome because you become fearless in achieving whatever goal you have. Yeah. Because you know that I feel the fear, I'm scared to you know, step out of my comfort zone to go and chase after my goal, chase my goals or whatever. But you're not afraid to fail. Like, what's the worst could happen? You know? yeah, yeah, something I say to myself quite often now is my mission is bigger than my fear. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Having something worth pursuing that pushes oh, yeah. you through that, oh, yeah. that fear boundary. And, and if you stick to that, I, I tell you, you will be successful. I'm not talking about successful money. I'm not talking about money here, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about you will be successful. You will truly find what you're looking for. And because... I have clients now that I, you know, that I coach and mentor in business, and I said to them, if you are doing it for you, it will be really hard. Yeah. But if you are doing it for a bigger cause, if your why is so big that it affects a lot of people, and 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 there will be times that you just want to break down and say, fuck this shit, I'm not going to do this. But because your why is so big, your why will constantly pull you back. To your purpose that's cool yeah yeah cool. yeah so moving on from that and i guess sort of want to briefly touch on the reason behind the creation of strive and thrive mm -hmm. 
Did you want to walk yeah, that's, us through? That's another tragedy. <laughs> yeah, did you want to walk us through that? I one? know, and this is the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm an example of pe- I want people to know life will always hit you. Um, but at the same time, life can be so beautiful as well. So we strive and try. What happened was, um, so I went through uni and I graduated, you know, with distinctions, you know, with a brain injury wow. and all that. Yeah, uh, double major and all that. And I, you and know. And what, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, human psychology and hospitality management and business management. Yeah, wow. and uh, it was a struggle. Yeah, I mean there there was a couple papers. Uh, one paper I actually failed three times. Whoa. So can you imagine three thousand dollar per paper? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I just because I I have to complete it. You know. Yeah. For, yeah. And um, so I went to work for Crown and all that. And um, I already have decided that. My vice president said to me, okay, when you finish uni, you know, you're going to join us full time and we're going to talk about your career development and blah, blah, blah. Everything was set and I was ready to go back to that because, because I was getting better. Yeah. You know, I was getting better. Um, I was living on meds, you know, all those time because... Living on what? I still take medication oh, for okay. my, you know, for my condition. Yeah. And, but because at that time, without the medication, I feel like I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't handle whatever I need to be doing at that time. So I thought like, okay, you know, I'm ready to finish school and go back to casino management career. And yeah, but somehow what happened was because that many years I went through so much and I have built myself up, suddenly when it's time for me to go back to casino management, I started to feel that things were just starting to feel different. So I'm just, I, I don't want to like put a negative spin to it. I, what I'm trying to say is that something that I knew was so familiar, something that was my dream yeah. to be in VIP international operations of, you know, of a, I would say world-class casino. Suddenly, whenever I was there, right, it just didn't feel right. I didn't feel like this is what I want to do. I didn't feel like, you know, that was my purpose. Yeah. Uh, I constantly found myself saying, what the fuck am I doing here, you know? Okay. When I started to question myself that, right, I knew that I got to do something else. So yeah. I said, so long story cut short, so I started my event business. And while I was working to build that business, because the first six months we were fully booked, what happened was I found out that my friend um, had committed suicide. And I felt so guilty at the time because she actually had left a message in my voicemail and on my personal Twitter. Wow. But because I have been so busy the last six months building the business and working for Crown that I have lost touch and disconnect from my personal friends. Yeah. And I felt so bad that I could not be there for her when she needed to reach me. And yeah, I had, I had guilt, you know, I had guilt like, what could ha- what could I have done? Yeah, of you know? course. But at that time, I already knew that I'm not gonna like you know grieve and focus on my loss. What can I do with this? Okay, yeah. yeah because from the past experience, I learned every painful experience. I, I could I could do something good with it. So that was when I said to myself, okay, I can't I can't do anything. You know, she's gone. I can't save her. But that episode has brought back all the memories when I was struggling with depression, okay. when I was struggling with suicide thoughts and all that. Yeah. And that was when I knew that I'm so blessed that I have saved myself, but I know that there are people out there who currently 
feeling where I was mm -hmm. and where I was at that time, I was feeling alone. I was feeling like I was the only one feeling like that. But the fact is I know I'm not alone. So this is when I said to myself and I said to my partner that, hey, we got to do an event where we're going to create an awareness about these issues. Yeah. So, so because of the planning of the event, I started to do research because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know that we don't go around talking about suicide. Yeah. Okay. We don't go around talking about depression and all that. So after losing my friend, I did a lot of research and suddenly I was so shocked to find the statistic of how high suicide rates are. So I started to talk to my business network mm -hmm. and I was so shocked that within that that five months, no, no, five weeks, you know, what I call it, me talking about it, that every, each of my business network that I was talking to knows someone that has done it. Yeah. So we did an event and that was how Strive and Thrive started. It was just supposed to be one event. Yeah, I know. It was the birth of something so magical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing what you're doing. I know, I know. I, I, I'm just so blessed, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't do this by myself. I, I, have, I have help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on from the stories to the recovery, obviously you've gone through what you went through with your mum and childhood mm. and then having to go through the brain injury and the earthquakes and having that back again, losing two friends, um, obviously one in the earthquake and one to suicide. Mm. And then creating the strive and thrive where you help people. Mm. You don't mind. Don't mind me um, interrupting you there. Um, I don't really think I. I. I wouldn't want to say that I help them. Yeah. Because I think they have to help themselves. Mm -hmm. But what I do strive and thrive is that I just share my story yeah. about what I went through. I share my strategies. I share about how I help myself get so out of help it. help people help themselves. Yes, and I, so I inspire them, you know, so that they could empower themselves to yep. make the change. Okay, yeah. so you <coughs> enable people to help themselves. Yes, and the reason why I say this is because I have people who corrected me and say, oh, no, you shouldn't say help because you didn't help them, they help themselves. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, having gone through all that, I noticed you mentioned a few times that you use gratefulness and meditation if we're talking about recovery how did you use both of those throughout those times and even now to help you through um, gratitude like I said is a very powerful tool because when you when you use gratitude on daily basis it's, 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 a diff, it's a different effect but when you're actually having shit happen yeah. and you're going through challenges and adversities and just you know bad stuff happening because you're feeling down, right? The minute you be grateful and focus on the things that are still going right and the things that are still happening, you know, well in your life, yeah. what you do is that you are creating that shift in your head. Instead of thinking of the bad things, you think of the good things. And when you constantly do this every single day, mm -hmm. it will help you to rewire the brain to just focus in the in the positive things, and once you focus in the positive things, it will help you to actually act and behave the positive way. Yeah. And so first is the mindset, and then is the action. And when you take action, then it leads to positive results. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
That's cool. And yeah. what about meditation? Uh, with meditation, I found that because there's different types of meditation, yeah. you know. Which one and, are you using? Um, for many years, because you know, I I kind of like only know what I know, you know, which yeah. is like I said, meditation meditation is different. For many years, I only use the the ones that I believe just to help me relax my brain. Okay. Because um, with brain injury, right? You can't have too much action in your head, you know, because you have, what I call it, you feel mental exhaustion easily. Yeah. So what I do is that, you know, I just kind of like, I do breath work, you know, uh -huh. like I, I breathe deeply and I breathe out and like four, four and four or four and five, yeah. you know. So when you start to breathe, you know, slowly and deeply, you know, what you call it, um, it helps your brain not to think anxiously, okay? Yeah. And then it calms you down. So for many years, I only I only did that. And to be honest with you, I don't even I didn't even do it every single day because you know this is the excuse that we we were just so busy. Mm. Yeah, busy so, as a choice. <laughs> yeah, and I only did like five five minutes, fifteen minutes. Okay, for many years. Yeah. But recently, with the business, and I'm doing a lot of new things in my life that cause a lot of fears and doubts. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have changed my meditation a bit different. Yeah. So this is me. It might work for some people. It might not work for some people. Of course. So now when I meditate, I don't just focus in the breathing. When I meditate, I visualize where I want to be yeah. and who I want to be and what's the outcome that I want to see. Yeah. And because to me, when I visualize that, it gives me that drive to 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 do what I need to do to create that destination where I want to be. Awesome. Yeah. And sometimes when you do that, I'll be honest with you, right? Sometimes when you do that, you find that, oh my God, Nori, this is a bit unrealistic. Do you really think you're going to get there? Yeah, you will think it's crazy, but they say that if it's not crazy, it means your goal is not big enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. And I do that now almost on a daily basis, 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. And I kid you not, right? there will be moments that I just have a lot of racy, anxious doubts in my head and I've, I feel it, I feel like it's really tiring my brain out. And it's also quite challenging because now I'm off meds. I don't take meds anymore. I wow. focus in self-help and healing myself naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, what you call it, because the reason why I do that, because I did a bit of research and I found out, you know, the side effects of the medication I was taking. For yeah. example, like codeine, you know, I couldn't believe like, oh my God, it's so bad. So that was when it's my choice. I've got nothing against medication, you know, because I have people who say to me, oh, you shouldn't say that on the interview. And I go like, no, no, no I'm not against any medication. People are all, you know, in different situations or conditions, but I'm talking about myself. That it's my choice, my personal choice, not, not to be on medication, okay? Yeah, so when I meditate, right, if you, the difference of doing it five to 15 minutes, yes, it relaxes you, it calms you down, mm -hmm. okay? But when you have like crazy shit moments in your head and you feel like really tight and just so stressed, just try 30, 40 minutes. Honestly, I feel like I just taken an instant drug. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, like suddenly you feel your, your brain breathe and you just feel so relaxed. Yeah. yeah. I've only gone to 20 minutes. I think those are the longer sessions I've done. I use a uh, frequency sometimes when I meditate as well. And even at that level, I'll start to feel like I'm floating or 
got pins and needles mm. I can like see the vibrations of the sound just woo woo stuff like that but mm. even after a 20 minute session it's amazing and it's it changes my day yeah. you know from the outset yeah. so I can't imagine how good a 30 to 40 yeah. minute session would be for someone I, I've tried I've, okay someone told me like I'm not sure whether you heard of this guy his name is Joe Dispenza and yep. yeah and he meditated two hours day. every day yeah and I used to go oh my god two hours that's crazy uh, but recently I had the chance I was at an event right and yep. they meditate for one hour well yeah and I, I kid you know it was very challenging because as you can tell I'm quite a hyper person yeah so to just sit there for one hour it was very challenging I've done 30 40 minutes yeah easy one hour was hard yeah so but it's good because it allows me to try and as much as it's hard I say to myself okay it's hard yes it was hard because it was my first time but if I do it again and again mm. maybe I could you know but meantime yeah because of the things that I have to do on daily basis right I try not to pressure myself so much 30 40 minutes yeah every day that's cool mm. awesome uh, moving on from recovery then into life now you're saying that you're content with life, that you're happy with life, you're living in abundance now, even though it's not the wealthiest you've been, the most well-off financially. What have you removed or added to your life to improve the quality of it? Um, one thing that I recently, and this is my recent struggle, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I now have Strive and Thrive, which is a business. Yeah. And I'm very determined to make it work because again, you know, it's not about me. It's about making a positive difference in this world. Yeah. It's, um, I believe that we all can do it and having to do it by myself because I'm so used to working in a casino where you have all these different departments and, you know, resources, unlimited, especially when you were in a VIP operations. But now it's like having your own small business. You have to do everything yourself. And it's easy for people to say outsource and delegate. But when you first started out, you don't have money to outsource. Exactly. You don't have money to delegate, okay? So the first year and the second year, I pretty much did everything by myself. But as the business grow, right, and I, I need to take bigger risk. When I take bigger risks, I'm stepping way outside of my comfort zone, right? Yeah. And it causes doubts, you know, um, crazy doubts okay and where I'm going right now it's a plan where I thought I would never even dream okay yeah and and but to do that there's a lot of work that I need to do and again you know it's it's uncertain and and that's the reason why just now I asked you about your 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 first venture and all that yeah yeah and, and I find it very inspiring because the thing what ha what is happening with my life at the moment Strive and Thrive is doing really well. I'm so super blessed. You know, yeah. a lot of people said to me that I grew the brand. I grew the brand really fast under two years. I won the two awards the first year. And as much as according to people that I've done well, but I am taking an emotional hit at the moment, actually, because I have to let go of my event business, okay. aesthetic events. Yeah. And this is actually, you're so lucky, you know, I'm exposing a lot of things that other people <laughs> doesn't know. So I'm actually shutting down aesthetic events, okay, yeah. for me to focus on Strive and Thrive. And that is an emotional hit because I have already spent a lot of money on aesthetic events, me and my partner, okay. Yeah. And now that we are focusing on Strive and Thrive, so there's a lot of crazy decisions to make and all that. But if you were to ask me, right, like, um, what, 
You know what? I've been mumbling. <laughs> what was your question, actually? <laughs> um, what have you removed or added to your life to improve the quality to okay. a, a life that you feel that you're content with at the moment? Okay. So one thing that I've just recently learned and teach myself that in the past, almost my whole life, right? Yep. Whatever I set my mind to it, I, I make it happen now, okay? But with this thing that I'm doing Strive and Thrive, right? If I want a control of how it turn out, if I plan so much, mm-hmm. I just feel that it will add more pressure on me. Okay. And so I had to reflect back about what I went through to plan what I want to be doing in the future. And what I've learned now is that I let go of control. I let go of wanting to plan so much. Yeah. I am okay now. And the best thing is I am really okay with that I might be getting it wrong. Okay. You know? Yeah. And and another thing that's very important to me now is that I am very careful with who I align myself with. I know that with where, where I want to go with Strive and Thrive, I know that I can't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I need to collaborate with people. I need to, you know, like gather a tribe, you know, and do this thing together because it's not about Strive and Thrive. Yep. It's about you doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, but let's do things together. The that, yeah, then we can, you know, have a bigger impact. Um, but again, you know, to do that, it's not easy as well because, you know, sometimes you collaborate with the wrong people. So I'm very careful with that. But uh, what I'm very proud of myself, the recent, I would call it success, is I've, I'm okay with not being perfect. Well, I'm okay with like, not meeting deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with things not turning out the way I plan it to turn out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the big, another biggest thing that I have, I have come is... Um, 2016, end of 2016, I finally have the courage to be me, like the, yeah. the true real me. Okay. And I feel like it's like a prison release. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it takes, seriously, I, I kid or not, it takes so much anxiety off you to just be in the flow. And, and this year I managed, to, I, I dare to say, I'm in the flow. Sometimes that crazy thoughts still come back yeah. to stir you, you know? And, and I just have to come back, you know, and align myself, saying, to keep t- constantly, every day, constantly telling myself that, no, it's okay, you know, be in the flow. And it's just awesome. Cool. Yeah. So you've learned how to delegate? Yeah. You've so I'm so I'm so lucky, I tell you, and this is the reason why you, you need to be true to, to what you're doing. Um, there were moments that I felt this happened early last year, okay? Um, I st- I had a burnout, you yeah. know, um, after the first year of like, you know, building the brand so fast. And I was asking the universe saying that, hey, I'm not doing this for me. Because if I'm doing this for me, I will have gone back to Crown. I will have gone back and worked for casinos and all that. I'm not doing this for me and I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this to make a difference in, in the world. So can you please send me help? Yeah. And I kid you not, within maybe days, I had an angel that just came to me and said, oh, I would like to do work experience with you. So she wow. worked for Strive and Thrive full time, Monday to Friday for six months for free. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So in return, I just mentor her. 
I just mentor her with everything I know about the industry, about event planning, and I also mentor her in her personal life, you know? So she's getting business, professional, and also personal development mentoring from me, and she works for me for free. That's and she's amazing. still working for me now, but on casual basis, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. So, so apart from her, because I ask help, I've got um, volunteers, mm -hmm. which one of them, you know, Candice, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that also take a lot out of me, you know, having to actually openly announce on social media that, hey, I need volunteers, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's only going to help you expand <coughs> the brand of Strive and Thrive and impact yeah. more lives. Yeah. It's cool. So, yeah. gone over the, the quality of life, <coughs> which you're happy with at the moment. What do you love most about life? Like my life or just general? Yes, just about your life. Um, I truly believe that I have a lot of love in my life now. I mean, I've got I've got so much love for myself. Yeah. Um, every morning I wake up in a mirror, right? Um, the fact is I know I'm overweight. The fact is I know that I don't look like how I looked like last time. Yeah. You know? But the funny thing, I look in the mirror, I still see a beautiful girl. In the mirror, you know, I still see an amazing person. And the reason why I say that uh, it's not because of my looks. Mm -hmm. I actually see a beautiful, amazing girl that has survived and choose to stay alive regardless of whatever happened to her since she was a child. And because of that, I look in the mirror and I, I own it and I say, I I'm fucking amazing. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, thanks, yeah. And, but that is good. But another thing that's not so good about that, you know what? Because I'm so okay with myself, I'm so happy with myself, that I didn't address my, you know, my weight. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was happy being, because I was just happy myself. There's nothing to change. I'm, I'm happy myself. But the recent months, knowing where I want to go with Strive and Thrive and knowing whatever I'm doing now is yeah. going to go, you know, more, I, I realized that I cannot stay the way I am if I were to go where I want to go. Yes. I have to have a better health. I got to have better stamina. Because with my workshops, it's very energetic. Okay. And every time when I do my workshops, I'll be panting and running out of breath. And because my, my workshops are a blend of um, soft energy and high impact energy as well. Yep. So that was when I realized that, oh, hey, I, I have to do something about me. And if I were to be talking on social media, video live, or if I were to be talking on stage and all that, I have, I have to, if I'm resilient, because I know I'm resilient mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yep. But if I say I'm resilient physically as well, then I, I have to look resilient physically. But I'm not going to look resilient physically if I'm overweight. So recently I had to change and be very brave because all this time I didn't work out because I said, I've got a brain injury, I can't work out. Yeah. And so just this last couple of months, I had to be brave to start riding again, start working out, start, you okay. know, and start awesome. boxing again. Yeah. So that's something you've added to your life to improve the quality, which yeah. is amazing. And it's a and, continuous journey. And that's something I'd need to add to my life as well because I understand yeah. that to take this further, to impact more people, touch more lives, yes. you have to be the best, best version of yeah. yourself emotionally, yeah. mentally, and I love you said that because I learned that if you want to help others, you have to help yourself. And if you want to be a better version of yourself, you got to continuously learning, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I've worked out, I've, I've changed, you know, my diet into a plant-based uh, because it helps wow. with, yeah, um, not, not 100%, but for, for a few weeks, 
I did plant-based and again, I don't know, maybe someone will have someone that they know have brain injury or whatever. Um, I've been living with chronic migraine and chronic pains for the last 10 years now. Yep. And last February, I did more research to see how can I, you know, deal with this. So I did plant-based and from the plant-based, I did juice fasting. Yep. And I eliminate any bad food as much as I can. I stop taking dairy and I kid you not, since then until now, April, I have not had a single migraine. I have not had a single brain throbbing. I've not had a single headaches. It's crazy. And we're talking about a girl who will have migraines almost every week. And there'll be times that I have, um, I have brain throbbing like every month. I have migraine and when I have migraine, if I'm lucky, it's two days and sometimes it lasts for five days yeah. in bed. Well, wow. I'll be like in bed, seriously doing social media or writing blogs if I can or else I just have to stay in bed. But since this new plant-based diet and it's working amazing. out and walking yeah. every day and meditate 30, 40 minutes, I've not had a single migraine, brain throbbing, headaches. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, like like yesterday, this last few days have been quite full on for me, like you know, whole day, yeah. Because we're preparing for a positive life, yeah. And I had like back to back meetings. I I have like like yesterday I was out the whole day, you know, in conference and all that. And today, if if this was last year or two years ago, I couldn't handle it. I can't have like the whole day commitment. But I said to Sarah yesterday, I said, hey, I've been out like twelve hours and I'm still fine. That's really yeah. cool. That's yeah. awesome to hear. Uh, moving on from that and to your mission, obviously you have Strive and Thrive. So if you could sum up the mission or the mission statement of Strive and Thrive, what would that be? Um, well, the mission and the vision, you know, all those, you know, like yeah. what you call it, um, what you call that, like the political stuff, the, yeah. the business stuff. Um, they are all on the website, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. I honestly cannot remember because they're quite long, yeah. But in short, right? Yeah, or well, what do you aim to achieve? Well, what, I, what I want to achieve is that, like I talk to a lot of people, okay? And when I talk to them, I find that a lot of people rely and depend too much on the external factors or external people, okay? For example, there are people who rely on doctors, who rely on psychologists, who rely on loved ones or husband or wife like rely on other people mm -hmm. and the thing is and this is a true fact i believe those people those external factors might not be around all the time yeah but if you learn to depend on yourself and find the power within you to help yourself it will give you a lot of strength and courage to be okay with whatever uncertainty or life hits that you might get because at the end of the day right you yourself have to live you yourself yeah. you can't love others if you can't love yourself like you can't think you can like I have people who will see me right who say that oh I just broke up with my man you know I, I can't live without him I can't survive oh my my doctor just changed my meds I'm going crazy but if you find the power within you and you, if you just only believe, because this is me, it was just recently that I realized this. We are so much powerful than we think we are. Okay. And through Strive and Thrive, and this is the reason why, I, I'm trying to do whatever I can to share these strategies and these tools that I have learned 
to become resilient because I think if only everyone could learn and build their resilience, then they become resilient. And I'm not talking about the power, I'm talking about yeah. everything, you know, yeah. If they learn that, then they will realize how powerful they are. And that will be the time that they will be more fearless, yeah. you know? And so resilience then in that context means understanding what it is you're going through and then persevering through that struggle? Yeah, the first thing is, this is what I feel, okay, with resilience. As funny as this sounds, but you know, I have people who debate with me. Yep. With resilience, right? When you look at the word resilience, the energy that you get from it is that power or energy. But to me, resilience, right? If I look into it, right, resilience is actually about love. Yeah. You know? Because once you have love for yourself, okay. you'll be kinder to yourself. Yeah. Once you have love for yourself, then you will want to eat right. You know, because you, you want to feed the right healthy food into your body. Okay. If you have love, then you will not be unkind to yourself. You will not be unkind to other people. You will not treat other people with toxic energy. You will not, you will not want to deal with negativities that, you know, being given to you. Or, so I think love, at the end of the day, right, everything, the power is actually about love. So with resilience, I think the first thing is about loving yourself. So self-love. And then from self-love, then you have shifting the mindset, then the taking actions, and then the eating right and practicing a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, knowing the fact that you are more than just this body, which is mm -hmm. your spirituality and all that. Yeah. And knowing that you're not alone, like you could ask help. There, there, there are something out there, like people have like, you know, religions, they follow whatever. Yeah. And I'm not going to go in through that because people have different beliefs. But to me, it's like um, I believe in the universe. I believe in the spirits around me. And I only really actually realized this like last year, you know, okay. that I could actually ask help. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And like, I'm not talking about like, ask help from a friend, ask help from the from divine, the you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Some think and grow rich sort of stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Like some people say to me, Ooh, I have people right here, like, like when you see me, like this is how I dress, right? Yeah. And then when they come to my events and I speak, and they will say to me, hey, Nori, you don't look woo-woo, but you're actually very woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I resonate with that because I believe in, like I was saying, energy. Mm. And I believe we're all energy, even the thoughts as well. And that everything is interconnected consciousness or energy. Yeah. yeah. And that we can tap into that yeah. when and if we choose to. Yeah. That's cool. And, um, the, and the minute you get connected to that, yeah. then you will not, to me, right? The minute you, you get connected to that, it will give you all the answers that you need. And that will be the time that you will not have all this depression, anxiety happening, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So to wrap up, hypothetically speaking, if you were to have a billboard in the busiest part of the city where you know you'd get foot traffic, thousands of people walking past it, seeing it every day, and you got to put a message up on that billboard for all those people to see, is there anything you could think of be it a word, a phrase, a sentence, a quote? I've got so many quotes. Um, if there will be a billboard, I like the billboard to be colourful. 
Yep. All right. Um, I think that it's a marketing coming out, is it? Yeah, it's not just marketing, but I think this is what I feel. Okay, we adults, we are taking life so seriously that we forgot to have fun. Yeah. Um, we wearing too much blacks. Nothing against all blacks or Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> you guys wear a lot of blacks there. Yeah. Um, I think that colors bring a lot of joy. Yeah. And happiness. Yeah. If there's a billboard, the billboard have to be colorful, and it, like I said again, I've got a lot of quotes or whatever. But I think it will be a message just to make them realize how fun and joyful life could be. So the the billboard will be colorful. The billboard will represent hearts, love, yep. kindness. You know. So yeah. what would it say? Ah. Uh, just off the top of your head, it doesn't need to be perfect. Love and joy. Love and joy. Mm. Cool. Love and joy, yeah. Because love is the answer to every war, every anxiety, every depression, yeah. every every household fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that billboard would make people smile too. Yeah, Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Well, to wrap up, I just wanted to acknowledge you for all you've done and all you're going to do obviously just meeting you today i feel like you're this wonderful ball of energy and i'm super grateful for you, <laughs> Thank you. reaching out to me and having me be part of this day with you um, i also just want to acknowledge the fact that you've been through all these struggles and you are this resilience speaker and mentor now teaching people not helping people mm. teaching people um, how they can sharing, help themselves sharing yeah. <laughs> So thank you so much for that. Thank you, yeah. And if you don't mind me saying, first of all, I really want to congratulate you from taking, you know, to, to actually go into this journey. And it will be so wonderful to see more men, you know, stepping into this space. Yeah. And because I think you guys really, really need to support your brotherhood with this, with this space. Uh, because I personally have more male clients than female clients. Wow. I know, I know. I do not know. And I don't know why I attract them male clients yeah so um the things that what i want to say is that even though i'm a mentor and all that right like uh, i do understand for a fact that not everyone actually have the resources to go and see a mentor and and pay for a mentor or whatever right so one of the things that i'm very passionate doing is to actually um, inspire people to actually help themselves without having to spend any money okay because yeah. i don't think that the mon money should be the the what you call it the barrier to get help. Yeah. So if let's say anyone wants to learn more about resilience or mindfulness or positive psychology, I've got if you don't mind me giving no, myself a shameless plug. Yeah, I've got Resilience Hackers, which is a free Facebook group, and anyone can join there as, as long as they bring in you know like good vibes. Yeah. And what we do there is that from Monday to Friday, we have activities, exercises yeah. that we get people to do where it will help them to build resilience, practice mindfulness, and also positive psychology, emotional intelligence, and so on. Yeah, and Amazing. if they want worksheets and all that, they are welcome to go to my website and download the, the free worksheet. Cool, and what's that yeah. website? Uh, Striveandthrive.com.au Cool, and yeah. one more thing, the expo. Yeah, and another thing, and this is another awesome thing that I'm so proud, I, I want to say, I will say it, I'm going to admit it, that yeah. I, I'm proud to be able to do this, and I am not doing this by myself. Uh, 
so we have annual events that call Positive Life Expo. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to charge tickets, but I have realized that we have created such a beautiful healing space there. So I was determined to make it free. Yeah. So since last year, Positive Life Expo is, is now a free event. Wow. So every year in August, um, I handpick a group of health and wellness expert speakers and we get together at City West reception every August where we do this whole day event and everything's free. Yeah. Wow, like if amazing. they choose to work with anyone there, I mean that's their choice. But to enter the expo is free. Yeah. And the the activities, the workshops are all free. Yeah. And um it's yeah. a lot of value. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I could not have done that if the small businesses didn't come and support me, you know. Um, I had to increase the, the, the prices of my exhibitors mm -hmm. for me to be able to offer a free entry to the public. Okay. And I'm so blessed that I have exhibitors and sponsors that have seriously supported me since day one of Strive and Thrive, which is January 2016. It's amazing. Yeah. And so this year, Positive Life will Expo and Workshops will be 18th of August. Yeah. And they can just go to my website. The details are all there. There will be a link to Eventbrite and all that. And yeah, so come so, and check us out. Yeah. So if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, if they were touched or moved by your story, mm -hmm. what would be the best way to do that? Would that be through Strive and Thrive? Yes, or? the website, yeah. And also, um, I'm very active on Instagram yeah. and Facebook. I have people that message me on Instagram, especially Instagram, that they say that every single morning when they woke up, they will check my Instagram because my Instagram is like giving them this light energy to kickstart their positive mind during the day. So I never really give a plug for my Instagram, you know, I was yeah. happy doing it like the way I was doing it. But I just find amazing like how simple it is to actually inspire people to think positive every single day. Yeah, so... And is that Strive and Thrive on Instagram? Strive and Thrive with Norita, yeah. So if they go to my website, Strive and Thrive, dot com dot au mm -hmm. there's links to my social media awesome so the reason why i'm doing all this is because there's no one that could come and give me an excuse that they can't have resources to inspire them That's i'm like here are all the value so it's your choice now take yeah. it make a change or not <laughs> <laughs> well you put it out there i'm sure people will take it yeah up. yeah and lucky i just want to you know tell you whatever that's happening with this uh, podcast keep going I'll be checking out your blog I, you know I didn't know that you've got a blog and I'll, I'll just support you wherever I can yeah but don't give up this is this is really needed thank yeah. you so much all right thank you <laughs>
join our closed group on Facebook. That is the open up group. Links will be in the show notes. And that is a private sanctuary to share whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, with people who have been through similar situations. So they understand the pain you're in or the pain you were in. And they can resonate with it. Not only can they resonate with it, but they can give you advice based on their lived experiences. Now, I'm not saying to take this advice as gospel, but I'm saying to go go out there, post your story, accept the advice, and tr- try some of the advice that people give you. What works for you, awesome. Take that, roll with it. If a piece of advice doesn't work for you, then just simply let it go and keep on testing and trying until you find something that works, something that can allow you to eventually elevate yourself out of that darkness that you're in. Now also, just to close off, I know this is a little long-winded and I apologize for that, but if you like what we're doing here with Open Up, if you feel like these stories need to get out to more ears, need to impact more people all over the world, then please do us a massive, massive, massive favor and get on iTunes or Stitcher and give us that five-star review. But that is it from me. So have a great day. Ciao.